Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Could you turn with me to Acts chapter 1? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we honour your word and declare that we believe that your word is above our experience. It's above our human ability to comprehend because it is the very thoughts and the mind of God himself. But it's also living and powerful. Carries your breath, your spirit, and your life. And so, Lord, as we kind of have this time feasting on your word, we pray that signs and wonders will follow the preaching of your word. This morning will be a time of signs and wonders because of what you've got to say to us today. And we thank you for that, Father, through faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just going to read um, Acts chapter 1. Um, I'm going to just pray see it with uh, just a, the few verses before. This is about um, Jesus having risen from the dead, but not yet ascended to his father. And he met with his disciples uh, for about 40 days, and he taught them about the kingdom of God. What was interesting, um, what was interesting Jesus was that the disciples knew that what Jesus wanted or what God wanted was that the kingdom of God would come on earth through them. That was the most important message, and it was about the kingdom. And I can't imagine how amazing that would have been. The resurrected Christ in his body, physically, the scars, constantly seeing where the nails had been and the crown of thorns, what it would have been like to have him teach, having been the sacrifice that was slain to reconcile us to God. And they must have been in absolute awe and wonder that this man they had known had died and stayed in the tomb three days, was now a living, breathing, real saviour present with them. And so as they heard his teaching, they must have been awestruck and wondered, what's next? It was unfathomable to them that he would die. They thought he was going to restore Israel as a nation. Their concept of a Messiah was completely different to a Messiah that died. But then he rose again. And there he was teaching them. And then he spoke to them really important words. Because what was to happen through these words was that they were to, give, to, be, to be given instructions, but also expectation or faith 
that God was going to do something. And after these instructions, he left them, which must have been quite um, a moment. They'd had him for 40 days, and now he was leaving again. And this time they watched him ascend to heaven. But what is vitally important is that we hear what he was going to do and what he was going to send to those first disciples was going to mean that the future of his disciples was going to be supernatural. And they were about to step into a supernatural life. And the book of Acts is all about what the church is in God's mind and what the church can do if the church receives the same as Jesus said he would send. And if you take the supernatural out of the book of Acts, you take every chapter out of the book of Acts. There is no chapter left without the supernatural. And so in God's mind, it is impossible for those who follow the instructions that Jesus gave, those first believers, to not be supernatural. Supernatural meaning above and beyond the natural. And so Jesus' intention wasn't that we would just naturally live just with peace with God through forgiveness of sins. Because there's a great difference between having peace with God and having power. And the mistake that many Christians make is that they settle just for peace with God. But Jesus didn't just die to give us peace with God. That in itself is remarkable. That his blood should make us holy and that he would forgive us all our sins because of his sacrifice on the cross. But what is absolutely beyond the mind of any person is what Jesus promised he would give to all who believed in him. And this is what God had been working and planning throughout the long history of mankind. All through the ages since Adam, since Adam fell, God had been planning and working. Then he sent his son, but still the plan wasn't finished. It wasn't the end of his plan. It was actually the way that the plan would work. And so at this point, Jesus is standing amongst his disciples, the resurrected, crucified king, king over death, Satan and hell. And he's basically about to leave them, but he's going to send The promise. 
the promise. Now, what's interesting is that there are thousands of promises in the New Testament, and we are a people who are pursuing God to see the fulfillment of every promise that Jesus has died for us to have. But what interests me is that Jesus, when he shares what he is going to do, he calls this the promise of the Father with a capital P. This one promise must happen before all the other things that God is going to do will happen. So it's leading up to this point. Isn't it interesting that Jesus singles out and emphasizes the promise of the Father? Let's just read these few verses. Chapter, uh, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they'd come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power. These are the words of Jesus. You shall receive power when the Spirit has come upon you, the Holy Spirit. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus begins to say, I have already spoken to you about the Holy Spirit. He said, you've already heard from me. I love it that we're not hearing from man this morning. Jesus says, you've heard this from me. This is what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. You've heard this from me. I've already told you he's going to be your helper, another just like Christ, in fact called the Spirit of Christ. He is going to be your guide, your teacher, your helper. He will remind you of the things that I have said and he will glorify Jesus. Interestingly, the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit is to lift up Jesus. The focus of the Holy Spirit's ministry is to exalt Jesus in your life, my life. And he said, you will be baptized just as John baptized. And they understood water baptism, which we do today, don't we? We understand that once someone has repented and believed in Jesus Christ as Lord personally, that then they are baptized in water. And it's a symbol of what's happened, is that the old life has gone and the new life has come. Going into the water is like the old you died in Christ, were buried in him, and now... As you come up out of the water, you are raised to a new life. 
And so we have been, through faith, if you're a believer, baptised into Christ. And Christ lives in you. But it's another thing to be baptised with the Spirit and power. And this is the baptism that Jesus was referring to with his disciples. That you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that just excite you? It must have excited them. Because they knew that Jesus had been baptised in the Jordan, in the Spirit, not just the water. And they knew that everything supernatural that happened after Jesus' baptism in the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit came upon him, was a result of the Holy Spirit. That all the work that Jesus did supernaturally, all the miracles, all the words, even the speaking, he spoke by the Spirit. He cast out demons by the Spirit. Everything that he did, he did by the Spirit of God. And so they knew that they were to receive the same person that Jesus had received. Wow. And so they must have been absolutely thrilled. Absolutely overwhelmed at the thought that God would fill them and that they would be able to do what Jesus had asked of them to do. Jesus first had to go to the Father to present his blood, his sacrifice, and then he sent his spirit. But he gave them this command and he said, wait in Jerusalem until he comes. And you will be baptised. Now this word is so important. Because it's so important we understand what Jesus really meant. And we're going to borrow a picture from the Old Testament to give a fresh view of what that means to be baptised. And that picture is from Noah. Everybody knows about Noah and the flood. And that's a very negative thing, the flood. Uh, but this is a very positive thing to be baptised in God. Baptised in the Holy Spirit. And when the water began to fill the earth, the scripture says about Noah, the fountains of the deep sprung up and the heavens were opened. And so there were these two sources of water. And it speaks of the inward source of the heart of a believer that Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be in you, a fountain springing up to eternal life. And the Holy Spirit would come upon you like a waterfall, a deluge. So that your whole personality will be infused with God. Kind of means you've got to lose your personality. If it's filled with God, you become like him. 
Is that right? Of course he has to cooperate with your will. You can say no. But infused, and there's this fountain springing up, and this waterfall, and it's all at the same time. That's what baptism in the Spirit means. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit means like you're standing under the reign of heaven and the Holy Spirit within. And Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water I give him, there's a drinking inwardly, and then there's the supernatural power of God coming upon you. That's what Jesus meant. It's a great picture, isn't it? What an encouraging picture for what God wants to do in your life today. This morning, not tomorrow, today, the fountain springing up and the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Amen. Today, you will receive power today when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I love that picture. Ephesians 5, if you have already been filled, I have been filled with the Holy Spirit for many years. But I do know there's a lot more filling needs to happen. It doesn't mean to say I don't have him. But to say I'm spirit-filled, it isn't just words. It's not just a doctrine. This isn't doctrine. It is doctrine. It is the teaching of Christ. But it's power. To be spirit-filled is to be filled with God. Power. And so, Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. Not many days from now. And I, I want you to notice what they did. They went to the upper room. And in verse 14, it says, They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I love that, that they kind of have to put, they put Mary in, um, which is very important in certain nations and cultures. Because people think that Mary is a bit set apart, but actually she needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit and needed saving by the blood of Jesus. I know it doesn't matter to you guys very much, but if you preach to a Catholic um, uh, a congregation, as I have many times in Italy, it really matters. Because the Word of God says Mary needed to be saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. And there were these 120 gathered together in one accord, praying. They knew exactly what they were praying for. It wasn't you pray for um, the situation over in the Ukraine. You pray for your left toe. You pray for what you can't control at work. They actually all came together to pray for just the one thing. That's what one accord means. It's bringing us together in one heart and one mind with him, with Jesus, with the word of God. So they were all united. And I was thinking of this the other day to explain one accord. 
If I was to have a 50 pound note in my hand, you would say that was one note, wouldn't you? But if I had 50 pound coins, you would say it's the same value, the same amount, but they're all individual. And God was bringing them to this oneness with him. This unity together. And I trust that's exciting you as it does to me today. Because if he can get our hearts and minds united, that's where the power and the blessing of God is. Unity with him and the blessing comes. You shall receive power. They continued with one accord in prayer. Now, I like to think of these 120. You know, there were 500 who uh, saw Jesus alive after he was raised from the dead in Jerusalem. 500. Have you ever wondered where the others were? Have you ever thought, I wonder where they all were? If there were 500, why are there only 120 in the room? Well, I believe that God actually was wheedling out indifference. That this crowd weren't indifferent to the spirit that God had promised. They wanted what Jesus had said and they wanted it as a people, united together, one in heart and mind. They didn't say, as some Christians do, I'm saved, but I don't need the Holy Spirit. They agreed with Jesus that they needed the Holy Spirit because you know what the work of the church is? Do you know what your work is and mine ultimately? To convert the world. I'll go to you. Do you know what the whole work, do you know what the work of the church is? That would include you. To convert the world. And no wonder Jesus said you can't do it. And I would happily agree with him. When he informs me in John, John's gospel, without me you can do nothing, I'll go, yeah, that's true. I can't. But he doesn't want us to stay in the I can'ts. He wants to baptize with us with the Spirit and with power. And so they knew that to receive, can I just say this to you today, the same as the disciples received, they needed to get rid of indifference. We don't really need him. And be a people who say, we must have the power of God in the church. Anybody agreeing with me? We must have the power of God in the church of Jesus Christ and in our witnessing. We must have. No indifference. No, we don't really need. That's the fringe This is the true Christian life. It's not fringe. It is what Jesus 
said the church would be. Immersed with fountains from within and a waterfall coming upon them and changing into different people. What they failed to do before, they could do now. Their well-meaning intentions became powerful to change the hearts of men and women to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. You will receive power. You will receive power. Can you hear him say it to you? You will receive power. They're the words of Christ. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They were one in heart and mind. They, they must have gone through a few things personally during that 10 days of prayer. And I would have say it was the consecration time as we have been going through as a church. A time of preparation. A time where we really mean I choose to be holy, set apart for you, ready to do whatever you want me to do. And so they were submitting themselves to God and getting right with God. But it wasn't just getting right with God. They were getting right with each other. They didn't have any problems or issues going on. Well, I don't like that and I don't like them. They were forgiving one another. They were putting things right in their marriages, in their friendships. Uh, their, their whole lives were being reordered around the will of God for them. But this consecration was much more than just being set apart. It was also being separated for God for his purpose. And what was his purpose? Convert the world. That was the emphasis that Jesus said the Spirit would come. And I can imagine them thinking, well, I've got business, I've got family, I've got um, you know, a heck of a lot going on at the moment. There's the economy, there's a, uh, you know. I, uh, but they were like, whatever, you're God. And they said, yes, I will. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me, but don't send me without the power. It'll be an embarrassment. I'll get egg on my face. We must have the power. We must have the power of the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians 5 verse 18, the word of God tells us, go on being filled. 20 years ago isn't what takes it. It is a continuous drinking and coming upon the presence of God, the power of God, so that we can fulfill the work of Jesus. Go on being filled. So this bunch were consecrated, but they also knew they had to ask. Because Jesus said, 
Whilst you might have a promise, you still have to ask for it. That's how God has designed everything to work. That's why we pray the promises, isn't it? And Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Whoever of you has a child, will the father give bad gifts to their children? How much more does your heavenly father want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so they were united like that 50 pound note, asking in the same vision and view that Jesus had for the Holy Spirit. That he would come and there would be a power upon their lives to turn the world upside down. Can I say, to turn Taunton, to turn your village, to turn your family, to turn your work colleagues upside down and that the mind of Christ would break through and cut to the heart through the word, through the witness that they see in your life. You will receive power when he comes. One accord, they asked in faith. What a wonderful scripture in Matthew 7, 8. The scripture says, Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. Did you hear that? Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. But there's a world of difference from just asking, you see. To receive means to believe as you are asking that you receive it, whatever you're asking for, before it is manifest. So you don't wait for the Holy Spirit to come. You believe as you pray You are receiving. The fountains are opening up. You're drinking. You're being immersed in God. The the Spirit is coming upon you like a waterfall. Oh, Holy Spirit, do it today. And this is what I'm believing for this morning, that we will possess this one promise that will enable all the other promises to come to pass. Because without him, we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, I believe that as I ask the Father in the name of Jesus, I receive. I receive a fresh immersion in God. I receive a fresh anointing coming upon me. I believe that I receive power. Peter his life of constant ups and downs, he became a supernatural person. I mean, this guy's a fisherman and he preached such a perfect sermon. We've got to say it's God. And some of us can't even believe God would use us to speak to anybody because we're not believing that we will receive the same power. And if you don't believe, you don't get 
Because you have to believe. All is entered by faith. Everything is by faith, even the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ask and you will receive. Everyone who asks, receives. Oh, wow. Power, first of all, to change people's lives and bring them into the kingdom. To convert the world to Christ. You shall, all of you, receive power. You shall receive power. Consecrated, set apart for God, asking. This is what's so important. The consecration, like Joshua, prepared the people, was for a supernatural entry into taking possession of the land. Everything that Jesus did was to prepare us so that we would be made holy. The work of the cross was complete. Now it was time for the promise, the Holy Spirit to come. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. You shall receive power. Power to overcome your flesh. By the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. Yes. This body ain't going to rule me anymore. Brilliant. Happy? Well, you're only happy if you want the will of God. I want the will of God. I don't want my body. I don't want my feelings. I want the spirit to take over my life. Power to serve God. Whether it's making a cup of tea for somebody. Whatever it is, serving God. Power. Power to love those you can't love. Oh, power. To love someone with the love of God that keeps no record of wrong, that believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, you will receive power. And this isn't for a little sprinkle. This is for an immersion and a deluge. Yes, let's use that word. Like when the fountains opened and the Heavens were opened. Everything was moving in the one same experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power. You'll receive power to understand things that you couldn't understand. You'll receive power with God's wisdom, light coming in new ways. When you read the word, you'll say, I get it. God's speaking. This is light. This is amazing. You'll receive words of knowledge, words of wisdom for people. You'll walk into situations and God will give you the solution. You'll be able to set captives free and cast out demons because the same power that was on Jesus is upon you. You will receive power. Everything is up to this point. And I have it on my heart today that those who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's time for you to be filled. Because Jesus says it's time. 
His blood has been presented. If you're a believer and are born again of God in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to you to have a drink. Drink of Jesus. Come to me, Jesus says, and drink. Just by faith, take in all that he is. And his spirit will come upon you as you ask and believe. Because you will receive power. And for those of us who have been baptized in the spirit, God is going to do something fresh. Something completely new that will result in power to accomplish the work of God and the purpose of God for your life. So let's stand. Let's stand. Having heard the word. Having heard the word of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have returned to the Father. That your blood has been accepted as the only way that we could be acceptable to God. And that the Father accepts the blood as uh, the means by which we are made holy and perfect forever in his sight. But thank you, Lord, you didn't just leave it there. We, we are not just here to have peace with you. And that is in itself a marvelous thing. Not just to be baptized into your death and resurrection. And that is extremely incredible made new creations. That's amazing. But Lord, you want us to receive your spirit today in this time. And Lord, as those of us who've been on this journey, we've consecrated ourselves to you. We want to set ourselves apart for you, to have nothing out of kilter with you or with others. Forgive us, Lord, where anything grieves you. Just as you stand there before God, just do business. Just, just be real, be honest. If there's anything that you know is not pleasing to God, confess your sin. Just set things right. What about with others? Are you offended? with others Jesus says forgive because it's only as you forgive others are you forgiven have nothing against anyone whether they're in this room at home at work in your family in another country, in a government. Just forgive, just make this time, a moment just to say, Father, I forgive. Just as you've forgiven me, Lord, I take your word to heart and have nothing against anyone. Those who've mistreated me, diminished me, Mock me. Lord, I forgive them. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm released today into your forgiveness and peace. 
Thank you that I have peace with you. Just thank him for that peace with God and with others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, having heard this word this morning, if you've been someone who's rejected your need of the Holy Spirit, but today you want to make a change, say, Lord, I recognize I need what you actually purchased so that I could have the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. Forgive me for diminishing him. Forgive me for my indifference. Forgive me for mocking others that have been moving in the things of your spirit. I don't want to judge others, Lord, lest I come under your judgment. And today, Lord, I want to say I need you. If that's you, even if you've been baptized in the spirit before, let's just reach out in our hearts to him now in prayer. In your own words, reach out your heart and say, Lord, I, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need the gift of being immersed in your spirit and your spirit coming upon me. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.